I want to hear like uh, Pacific Garden Missions presents Unshackled. <laughs> so funny. When John told me that um, Uncle Rod, Pastor Hubby, had asked for us to speak and share our testimony, I was like, well, that'll be fast for me, like three minutes and I'll be done. It'll be wrapped up. Um, I do love details and I could draw it out and make it um, something, but it, but it is each salvation is very special. It's the way the Lord chose to call. But what I was thinking about when I knew that John's uh, would be sharing and he has a really dynamic testimony and, and mine's really short, really simple and really sweet, um, but was the fact that I lived in a very godly home. We went to church every Sunday. Like, it was not like wake up and, hmm, are we going to go today? Do we feel like it? Are we going to go hit the lake or whatever? No, it, we went to church. And something that I appreciate as I got older was the fact that there was such a stability with that. And it wasn't just that we went to church and we were that way on Sunday and all week long parents were different. My parents aren't perfect, as we know. We're all sinners, but my parents lived Christ all week long. Amen. That was the really special thing to me is like, um, you can say I grew up in a Christian home and we went to church, and that doesn't mean that you really, really heard the message of the gospel and, and that you understood it and that your parents lived it out. But my parents did. They lived it out. Um, I feel like... Um, being homeschooled, you know, that gave us more opportunities to be together. But my mom, um, since my dad worked so many hours and was gone, but my mom would always use everyday life situations to turn it, point it to the Lord. You know, like we could be anywhere and she would be like, well, that's because the Lord created that and see that and everything was coming back full circle to the Lord. So I think it made it very real to me. It wasn't like this is church. We do the Bible stories. We do this. You get saved. You do baptism. And, and you know, and it was just kind of like a checklist. This is what I'm going to do. And we feel good about it because we went to church this weekend. Now we can act like heathens all week long. But um, it was, it was the way that they um, did all their children. They didn't start off one way really strong and then just kind of fizzle out and not care about the last one. It was, they stayed true. They're very consistent uh, wonderful, loving parents. And you know how it is like if you ever have one child, if you're, I don't want to say lucky enough to have one child with you, but you as a parent are going somewhere and you take one child or you're doing a project with them and you only have one child. It's amazing to me as a mom how much that child will start asking questions and open up and maybe bomb you with some major questions like, wow, I wasn't expecting that one. But, um, but when you spend one-on-one -on -one time with your children, at least this is what I experienced being a child, and I love to spend quality time with each one of my parents, but also now being a mother, um, I just see how that opens up your, your heart and your opportunity to really share things that are um, very profound, very deep, and to really get to know them really in a, like what their heart is feeling. So I'm not really sure. It was so long ago, um, 41 years ago, I got saved in 1980, and I was riding with my mom. I guess we were running errands, going to the grocery store, and we were on the beloved street um, called Main Street, where Pastor Hovey also parked his vehicle and had the One Way Jesus sign on, if you've heard, if you remember that story. <laughs> so um, that's that 
amazing street there that we had all the things on the drugstore and all the different places, the hardware store. Um, so anyway, and when we were riding along, my mom was just sharing with me and I was asking questions about Jesus. Like, who is he and what did he do and why did he die for me? And what does that mean? And where will I go? And all these things, you know how, and she's probably thinking, I've got this long grocery list. And all, but no, she didn't say, shh, be quiet, stop. You know, she just shared with me. I remember it's so funny because like, even though that's so young, I remember it just like it was yesterday. Um, riding that front seat, can't barely see above the dashboard or not in the front seat, but you know, where I'm supposed to ride, can't even see above the dashboard. And my mom's just looking in the review mirror and talking to me and answering every question so patiently and just letting my little brain, you know, just like hmm, process all of this. Obviously being in church my whole life since in the nursery and on up, I mean, I have been in Sunday schools and had a lot of uh, exposure to the Bible, but it was just that daily, constant living out Christ before me. And then when my mom, so there had been a lot of watering and planting, and now all of a sudden, here's the harvest. Because at five, I decided, uh, when I, after she shared those things with me in the car, I just said, I want to get saved. I'm a sinner, and I don't know where I'm going to go. I like, I, I will not go to heaven. Like, I don't, I don't, I haven't trusted him as my savior. And I was like, you have to pull off. She's like driving. You have to pull off right now. Like right now, right now. Okay, right now. So we pull off onto Main Street and we parked in this cowboy store parking lot. And right there in the parking lot, I just got up there with her and she, we led in the sinner's prayer. And I remember just glowing. Like I was so happy. I'm like, we have to go to my grandparents. They just lived on second street, which was very close by. I'm like, we have to go tell nanny Huffy and Papa Huffy and tell them that I just accepted Christ. And she's like, okay, let's go do that. And she's all excited. But you know, it was just one of those things, like such a memory to me being there and having my mom um, pray with me and just being so excited. I could not wait to tell the world that I was a Christian. And um, and just to make sure that everyone else knew this amazing thing too. And this, this is a hymn, you know, I love hymns, you know, I love music, but this one there, all the verses are special, but this one was really sweet. Um, tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart, every word, tell me the story, most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. <laughs> and then verse three that really touched me, it's like, Tell me this story so tender. Tell me so clearly that I'll see how Jesus came for a sinner. Love paid the ransom for me. And I'm just so grateful to have such godly parents and ones that took the time to share with me, not just on Sunday, but lived it and to this day are still living that same thing. And I can go to them and... They're there as a godly influence in my life. I love them very much. And I'm so grateful that I'm going to spend all of eternity with them. So thank you. So I want to say something before I share my testimony, and that is this. So often we hear like, um, oh man, he's got a powerful testimony. He, you know, there's, there's a Christian comedian that says, man, I wish I used to do heroin so I'd have a powerful testimony or something like that. But to me, y'all, for those of you young people here that have grown up in a Christian home and have praised God, accepted Christ at five and six years old, that's a powerful testimony. That's right. 
That's a powerful testament. Huge. Because that's a, that's, that's a godly heritage, right? And see, I didn't, I didn't come from that. I came from the other side of the spiritual tracks. But uh, we grew up going to church, though. I grew up going to an Episcopal church, and this podium is more alive than that church. <laughs> because I went Sunday after Sunday, my brother was an acolyte, my sister was an acolyte, I was an acolyte, never heard the gospel. Never heard that Jesus came to die for sinners. And so that's how I grew up until um, I was 12. And uh, then we changed churches. But, you know, during that time, my, my parents divorced. And so that threw a wrench into me and my brother and my sister, three of us. All of us had affected us in different ways. But I think to tell you my story is when, that, when you come from that background, you have this... Um, you have this guilt about you. And whether it's not, your, it's not your fault as a kid, but as a kid, you just seem to have like, oh man, it's my fault that they split up. For some reason, it's almost like a, a subliminal type uh, thought process as you're growing up. So anyway, um, because they were divorced, we would have to go spend time during the summer. And um, so I, it was my turn, and I was up at my dad's house in the summertime. And this was 1981, I guess. And I got, I'll never forget this. I got off a plane and I came, I came off the plane and I looked at my sister. My mom and my sister were waiting over there for me. And my, oh, I got to stay here. Can you all hear me? Okay, sorry. Um, thank you. But my sister's face was totally different, okay? So I saw my sister and she was just like this, had this intense glow about her face. Right, and most of y'all, some of y'all know my sister anyway, but she, and she uh, she came up to me. She gave me the biggest hug. I'm like, Melinda, what are you doing hugging me? We didn't hug, you know. We were like hitting each other and stuff. And so, so she's she said, I gotta tell you what happened to me. And so what happened while I was gone that summer? They had changed churches. They'd gone from from the the dead church to uh, to a holy roller church. It was a uh, charismatic church, but they preached the gospel there. And so my sister got flat out saved. I mean, just, just boldly saved. And so she started on me right away. She started on me and she was just preaching to me and sharing the Lord with me and all this stuff. I thought she'd gone crazy. And she has, but she'll tell you all about that. But anyway, so uh, we went to that church and that church eventually just disintegrated because of some moral issues with the pastor and stuff. But anyway, so then we started going to a different church and I was like, man, we're back at a church that doesn't preach the gospel. This is, this is very relaxing for me, right? <laughs> it was a Methodist church, right? So we're all over the board. Now I'm Baptist. It's like, man, you know, the Episcopal, you know, Assembly of God, you know, Methodist and Baptist. So anyway, uh, that time, so we were there for about six months, and then they got a new youth pastor, okay? And I want to tell you about the faithfulness of, of people. There's, there's, there's the faithfulness of the Lord, number one, and his goodness and his mercy, because I stand here before you, and I'll tell you the truth. I should be dead, and I, sh I could very well be burning in hell right now. Because when I was in high school, I mean, I, was, I just was 
out of control. I was just, I didn't have any parental supervision. The only thing that really saved me was playing football. It gave me some self-discipline. But anyway, but I had a mom that was faithful in prayer. And I had a sister that got saved that was faithful in prayer. And then this man shows up in my life named Blair Lerner. He was my youth pastor. And this man, let me tell you a little bit about this man. This man, he grew up in a home that his dad was Jewish and his mom was Methodist. All right. So his dad was very strict and wanted him to go to medical school and wanted him to be a doctor. Well, he went to the University of Utah and studied biology. And during that time, he got saved through Campus Crusade for Christ. And he felt a strong call to be a pastor, a youth pastor. And he went to his Jewish dad and, said, and, and asked him. His dad said no. Asked him again. His dad said no. Asked him again. After praying about it, his dad said, okay. If that's what you feel like, son. And he paid for the whole thing. He went to Asbury Seminary. And he was obedient to the Lord and followed the Lord's calling to be a youth pastor in the Methodist church. And years later, I asked him, I said, Blair, why in the world did you stay in the Methodist church? He said, God called me to be a missionary to the Methodist church. So praise God for his obedience. But he was very faithful in prayer. And, and he patiently shared the gospel with me all through high school. And there was one time when we were skiing that he said, hey, John, let's go up to the top of the mountain. And we were about a third of the way up and a blizzard came. And so it was pretty rough. And so we were up there rocking in the, in the ski lift and we were over a kind of a chasm. <laughs> if you've been on a ski lift, you know, you, you look down and you're like, whoa. And we were rocking pretty good. And he looked at me and said, hey, John, what, where would you go if we fell right now? And I'd never... Up to that point, the gospel that I had been presented was, you know, hey, the Lord, you have a God-shaped heart, a vacuum in your heart that only God can fill and that kind of thing. It wasn't, wasn't really convicting. It wasn't like, hey, the wrath of God is upon you. You've got to be saved. It wasn't that kind of God. Well, it was more man-centered, as Ray Comfort would say. But that was the first time that I really thought about eternity that strongly. And that was in, I guess... January of 80 or 85. And so the Lord really started working on my heart. And, and uh, that March, March 1985 in New Braunfels, I just knew God was pressing on me hard. And I want, I want to say something else about this, this man, Blair. So the church that we attended was right across from our high school. And he would go, back then you could go, they would let youth pastors in the church, in the school, back then. And so he would walk up and down the halls and pray that God would move mightily in that school. And that, that, that spring, God answered his prayer when one of, the, one of the major rebels in the high school was a drug dealer. He got saved through Blair's ministry. He got saved and he was bold and he was sharing the gospel, <laughs> sharing the story with everybody in high school. And then, and then the quarterback of our team got saved. And then like God started moving like all like 40, 30, 40 people. 
got saved. And so anyway, there was just like this massive move. It was really neat. And so it was that spring that I was like, man, I got to give my life to Christ. God was pressing on me hard. So I went to him. We were on a retreat in New Braunfels, and I went to him and I asked him. I said, Blair, it was almost like I had never heard the gospel or anything. I just said, hey, Blair, how do I get saved? And, and he did something that I'm so grateful for because he didn't say, hold my hand and repeat after me. He didn't say that. And I'm grateful he didn't. He said, I want you to go over to that park bench over there, and I want you to confess to God that you're a sinner and that you need to be saved. And you just start laying it out before God and he'll save you. And I think, I'm so grateful he did that because now, you know, however many years, what is it, you know, 30 years, 35 years later, I look back and I think, man, I'm glad he let God move on me that night and didn't lead me. Not that, the, not that you can't get saved that way, like she got saved that way through her mom, but I was older and I knew I was a sinner, you know, and I confessed. But one other, I guess, addendum to all this is this. And I want you young people to listen to what I'm going to say. Because it's not only me that's affected this way. I mean, pastors shared this way from his life before as well. But there was a, an insecurity I had, right, growing up. And you can blame it from divorce or whatever, but all of us have a certain insecurity. But I had it strong. And so what I did was this. And I wrote this down. That insecurity led to a dependency of self-worth based on what I perceived that others thought of me. Did you catch that? That's called pure dependency. I was dependent on how I felt about myself, on what other people I thought thought of me. And I'm going to tell you something. When I got saved, I realized that all of that, and I still struggle with it to sometimes, still to this day, but I realized through the truth of who God is, that not only has he set me free from my sin, but he set me free from that dependency on others. The fear of man is a snare, right? We can follow God and follow Christ. That's true freedom in Christ when you realize, I don't really need to worry about what other people think of me. I need to worry about what God thinks of me and follow after him. So that's, uh, I guess that's my story. But I want to tell you one other thing. The faithfulness of my mom praying, the faithfulness of my sister praying, the faithfulness of my youth pastor and obedience to God. But I also want to mention one other person, and that's the, the faithfulness of Pastor Hovey and other leadership here at this church. Because I came to this church then, now therefore seven or eight years after I'd been saved, and I was still very much a baby Christian. I, I thought I could lose my salvation. I thought you could go in and out of salvation. My, you know, my doctrine was not sound at all. And I'm grateful because pastor, like he was talking about elder led, you know, he gets on to, he gets on to these convictions about doctrine and he doesn't let them go. And I'm grateful for that brother, because I learned, you know what? I'm safe and secure in the hands of Jesus. You know, I learned about the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of justification. So that's, a, that's definitely part of my testimony as well. So thank you and thank you all.